All right, we're back. Hello, Hello, Chris. Hey, Zach. What's up, man? Just wondering what those two little, like, staticky bumps were right when we started going. I saw you. Oh. <laughs> it's hard to Hopefully tell. you guys can hear us when you're listening. We should be able to yeah. be heard. I don't know if that's what people want or not. Right. But welcome back <laughs> we're anyway. We're going to do the uh, silence podcast. Yeah. Just an hour of <laughs> nothing. Yeah, just imagine what Andre the Giant could have done with right. an hour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. An hour of silence. So, yeah, welcome back to uh, Intername Here, the uh, podcast about whatever we feel like yeah. it being about. Everything and nothing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> a little bit of everything so far, little bits of this, little bits of that, yeah. you know. I think we've been all over the place with it. Yeah. I'm sure we'll continue that. Weird stories, good feel-good stories. Yeah, feel-bad stories. Some feel-bad stories, you yeah. know. Some, some shit has been shot and will continue some to be shot. shit has been shot. So, yeah, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, it will be internamehearepodcast at gmail.com. Send us some ideas, some, uh, you know, yeah. criticism. Yeah, we're running out of ideas, but definitely some criticism. We, we were planning on this being like 10 episodes and being like so wealthy that we wouldn't even need to do anything anymore. But, you know. Yeah. Then we realized, oh, wait, we've got to have content. Yeah. So we've been doing that. So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know what all has been going on with you this week, but I know the big thing this week is we talked about this a couple episodes back with the Kid Rock No Snowflake tour. Yeah. Did you see Kid Rock was in the news in the past couple of days? I did not. You didn't? Wow. No. You have not been a man of the internet. I haven't been following the Kid Rock. Well, <laughs> apparently he's pretty upset with Bud Light because Bud Light has a spokesperson that's uh somebody that's a tiktok celebrity that is you mentioned transitioning. that you mentioned that campaign to me the other day <laughs> but, uh, the person she's transitioning and uh documenting on online well bud light sent them a uh a can with a bud light with their face on it it wasn't for sale it was just but just i think that, i think they're like a spokesperson you know, because they have all sorts of influencers. That they, I mean, they're sure. a multi-billion-dollar corporation. Yeah, I mean, those are the people well, that Bud Light gets to promote their product. Yeah, everybody. They, they've yeah. been doing all sorts of stuff. They've been yeah. Pride has been since the '90s. They've been doing Pride stuff. So, right. but Kid Rock, being the ever relevant guy that he is, <laughs> not a snowflake, <laughs> took a bunch of Bud Light and standing out next to the river near wherever he lives, and takes his automatic weapon and like shoots shoots it like these piles of bud light and he's like fuck you bud light we ain't going woke and like this kind of stuff wow so yeah nobody's apparently nobody's drinking bud light this week so you know <laughs> apparently they're gonna go out of business in no time right so i'm yeah. not sure if happy know, anti-bud light <clears throat> I, I don't know i don't know if kid rock's gonna be able to go to his own uh, tour now <laughs> yeah, he's getting it's rid of all the promoters no <laughs> but it's the no snowflake tour and he's oh, totally right. being a bitch little snowflake over some beer cans yeah i mean you know like what's the big deal whatever well the funny part is is all these people are like oh, i'm gonna start drinking coors light and all these people all these other people will have pictures of all the times that coors light has done pride events and like all these people are all of a sudden gonna have nothing left to drink but water <laughs> and that's owned by nestle which i guarantee has done some pride event right yeah you know, the yeah, Nestle on. does own an absurd amount of the water. Yeah, so <laughs> not a sponsor. 
<laughs> Definitely not. Water a is not a sponsor either. So, <laughs> water is not a sponsor coffee, of this Nestle. Coffee and Coca Cola. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, so that's uh, the big news for the week was Kid Rock. It's like <laughs> right. It's it's been hilarious to watch, you know, because you know I, I want to call it this week in woke. This week in this woke. week in woke. Bud Light. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you could have one every week. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, it was M and M's, and it was. I mean, there's so many of them that it's oh, Dr. Yeah. Seuss and The Little Mermaid, and right. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's May. May is a big month for something. I think something. June is Pride Month. June is Pride Month. May is like the shortest spelling of a month. month. Oh, is that what yeah, it is? That's, that's the shortest famous... spelling of a month? Yeah, month. <laughs> shortest spelling of a month, month. Okay. It's Pride for short spellings. So just start calling it May Month. Yeah, like that celebrates short names like Bob. <laughs> celebrates three-letter names. Tim, Bob, uh, Bob. Ann. Yeah. Uh... Lee. Uh, <laughs> Lee. <laughs> Lee. Well, the Lee with a double E, not the Lee with the E I G H. Lee. J. J. Yeah. So, yeah. Another... Todd with one D. John with Todd J-O-N. with no Todd with no O. Todd with no O. That's it. Touchdown. Um, and last week, going back to some other stuff from the week, I guess, we'll kind of get Yeah, we'll play the name game stuff. again some other time. Yeah, we ran out of three-letter names. Um, last week, we talked about that kid that was, like, wearing uh, size 23 shoes. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah the big 14 kid. years old right. or whatever. Well, this past week, now, there's a stipulation on this, but this last week, a fourth-grade girl... In Michigan, that other kid was also in Michigan. I don't know what goes on in Michigan huh. to give people big feet, but fourth grader, so she's a ten, uh, was given the world record, a kid's world record for largest feet, and she wears like a size eleven. It's uh, it like she's in the seven to nine age range, but there was nobody else that submitted anything, <laughs> so that's why she's the world record. Oh, but she right. has size ten, size ten and a half, not eleven. Sorry, and she's what seven. It was, she was in the seven to nine age okay, group. Okay, all right. So, so I mean, seven to ten nine. and a half in a girls, I think, is probably like an. I don't know exactly, but I think it's probably like an eight and a half or a nine in boys. Right. But she has the biggest kid shoes and feet now. So, huh? Who knew? Yeah. It seems kind of small to be the biggest. To be quite honest but with for you, for a seven but, or nine year old. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's pretty that's huge. Some honkers for, for yeah, them. I wonder yeah. how tall she is. Does it say? It didn't. I don't think it really says. But her. It says big feet have always run in the family, but only one member of the prominent pedaled clan, prominent pedaled clan, holds a world record for their Titanic trotters. Wow! And that is exactly prominent how, that's, pedaled that's, Titanic trotters. That's a, <laughs> yeah, wow. uh, it, that's on Insider. Um, <laughs> when I found out, I was extremely excited. Ruby of Jonesville, Michigan, told Insider, "I was jumping up and down, going a little bit crazy." Uh, I don't even want to pronounce her last name. It's you know right. Yeah, we I mean, all know I love it I, when you speak. Other all, I don't even want so, to. I mean, like, this is totally. It's got the SKY at the end. It's not well, for my story tonight. I'm going to be like skipping over just naming. <laughs> oh, you, you have know, to name like, all of them. This week's feature is Chris <laughs> saying uh, international names. <laughs> so yeah, size tens, ten and a half. Wow. Yeah, that's craziness. It says uh, children as young as four and as old as sixteen are able to submit themselves in a variety of categories for titles with kids' world records. An online organization that encourages kids around the globe to dream big. I don't even know what, like, I mean, 
How does how does having big not feet? Not sure how to feel about the whole big. thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like I mean, I wish I really, had big feet. Yeah, you just really think it into it just existence. Kind of exists, you know? right? I mean, just imagine if you could make your body grow that way. You can't. <laughs> anyway, I think that's how it all. <laughs> I want Shaq yeah. size hands. Then they just do that. Then they just it, it stops at a certain age. It's I think like, sixteen. Uh, Dave Grohl and. Uh, What's the video where the is it the Everlong video where he grows the big hands? No, that's uh, my hero. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He fights off the bad guys in the airplane with his big giant hand. Right. Like, yep. You can do that until you're 16, I think. Yeah. Grow goal. That's our grow goal for the week. Yep. If you know him, let us know. <laughs> if you are him, definitely let us know. Yeah, for real though. If you're one of our 875 listeners, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, we're closer now than ever before. Yeah. That's for sure. Every day. Um, a little bit closer. I did see this story about this pilot that was flying a plane and a cobra was inside of his clothes. I think I've heard this. This is an old story, right? Mm-hmm. This happened just uh, April 5th, so just oh, a few days ago. Maybe I was just thinking of that scene in Indiana Jones. Maybe, but this is in Johannesburg, South Africa. Okay. Uh, he was, this, the pilot says, I felt this little cold sensation under my shirt where my hip is situated. But basically where you've got your little love handles. That's a quote to, to NPR. Uh, and he, when he looked down, the pilot was surprised to see a highly venomous Cape Cobra under his seat. Wow. Uh, the guy's name is Rudolph Erasmus. <clears throat> see, I said a, an international name. Rudolph Erasmus. I, Erasmus. I like it when you get the uh, the fake accent in there. Though. Yeah, I'm not even going to yeah, try the like... South African one. <laughs> I wish I could do accents. That'd be great. Yeah, especially the South African one is yeah. yeah I would unreachable. Be, it would be, it'd be a mess. <laughs> we would probably get subscribers just so they could unsubscribe. We'd have hundreds of people subscribe. It's like just buying a lot of Bud Light so you could shoot it <laughs> exactly. All. We're just going to rage quit. Enter name here. <laughs> So, yeah, and he, he gets the thing. He goes down his clothes and goes away and under the seats, and he get, jumps, like he lands the plane, and when they get out, they called him a hero because he saved the people in the plane. I guess the hero was that he didn't get he didn't bit crash by the, the plane. Yeah. He didn't get bit. But when he uh, when they landed, he, he was looking around inside from the outside windows, and he couldn't find the snake, and I don't know if they – have found the snake it's oh. still somewhere in the plane i mean it's not a big plane there were right. only like four passengers but yeah they if you look up a cape cobra it's definitely one of the top i wonder why it's called the cape cobra cobra probably cape uh cape of good hope is that the one that's south africa i was or, wondering or is that yeah. cape horn one of the two yeah. if you know email us but this cape horn would be at the horn like at the bottom right and that the horn of yeah, but i don't know if, i don't know if yeah but it, that's where South Africa is. Well, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. But the Cape Cobra is, uh, it says a, a cobra bite from that particular one can kill someone in as little as an hour. Oh, no thank you. Yeah, I mean, it definitely very cobra-looking. cobra picture. I got to look it up. Its head is hardly set off from the body. It reaches a length of up to five and a quarter feet. Wow, yeah, it's a creepy-looking thing. All of you... As Zach would call you, viewers at home. Yeah, all you viewers. <laughs> you're viewing with your ears. Google the uh, Cape Cobra. I can tell you two people named my parents that won't look that up. <laughs> if they listen. Well, they might now that you've called them no, out. No, I guarantee you they guarantee won't. It. Come on, mister. No, Come on, Mr. Gary. You can't even talk about them. He doesn't want anything to do with them. Okay. But... 
Boo. Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I've got a. Um, we're telling like record breaking stories, at least with the feet. I've got the uh, the oldest guy to learn how to surf. How about that? 90 years old. Guy's learning how to surf. Damn. In Fujisawa, Japan. Yeah, let's see. A business company owner for the early part of his life, <laughs> Seichi Sano, began anew at 80 by climbing Mount Fuji. Apparently not challenged enough by Japan's highest peak, he almost immediately took up surfing. Sano turns 90 later this year, and after being recognized by Guinness World Records as the oldest male to surf, he's ready for other tests. Maybe I'll try bouldering, he said. <laughs> Outside, it might be a bit dangerous. He ruled out bun- bungee jumping as too scary. <laughs> he said outdoor bouldering would be too dangerous? He's, so he's yeah. going to indoor bouldering? Maybe I'll try bouldering, he said, suggesting he might do it first in a gym. Outside, it oh. might be a bit dangerous. So indoor bouldering. Indoor. I didn't know bouldering was a thing. I guess it's like flipping a big giant tractor tire no i think it's just hopping around on boulders maybe rock climbing maybe that's just what they say in japan maybe that's a translation okay yeah that makes more sense but because i I yeah maybe it's some sort of rock climbing i don't think i'd trust that i mean at 90 years old right that that your hands are gonna hold your body up (laughs) <laughs> Mine hasn't done that since that one week in like third grade when I could, when my hands could hold my whole body up since then. It's just not happened. <laughs> if I'm going to fall out of a window and have to hold on, it's not going to last very. Tweety Bird's not even going to make it to pull Tweety my fingers off. Bird. <laughs> yeah, he says, I don't consider myself an old man. I have never thought of myself as an old person. I always feel that I can still move forward. I can still do it. I can still enjoy it. Well, 90 years old. Like I said, you said Japan, right? Yeah, Japan. So yeah, we were just been talking about that, by too. By 2050, they're expected a million Japanese to be right. 100 or more. That guy's and still that going guy's, strong, for that sure. That going to go bouldering at 95. I don't know <laughs> if he's going to be dead at 100. Right. Yeah, no matter what bouldering is, it can't be something for 90-year-olds, generally. <laughs> maybe that's um, maybe that's just bocce. That's just what they call bocce. <laughs> right. I love some bocce, though. Yeah, but, I mean, they're just little boulders. He's Shoot. just rolling. I hope if I'm... Living to be 90 that I'm getting to play bocce when I'm 90. Sure. If I can know. stand up at 90, I'm right. going to be, I'd be pretty feeling happy. pretty good about myself if I can just do that at 90. Yeah, absolutely. A, moving on, though, what perhaps might also be a record um, is the, did you hear about the Dairy Queen spoon getting stolen in Arizona? I heard about like it. Like an April Fool's joke, or they're assuming that's what it was. But Right, it's just the big red spoon that was yeah. on the outside of the building, <laughs> right. which I would love to have that. Yeah. If you know anybody, we would love to have that. <laughs> right. It'll be featured in every single thing we ever do. Oh, for sure. If I had that yeah. thing, I'd carry it around and go play, take pictures of it. I mean, that would be the new logo for sure. Absolutely. The it's probably trademarked, though, actually. Yeah. Like red blizzard spoon. Red well, blizzard Somebody stole spoon. it, and what happened? Uh, basically, uh, let's see. Michael Foster, 52, was playing the smartphone-based game on Monday morning, the smartphone, oh, Pokemon Go, when he stumbled upon a giant spoon. <laughs> First thing I did was send a picture to my wife, and I said, it's the spoon. So they called the police. Phoenix police said they received the call about that. This is the story about the spoon being found, apparently. So let's get a. So the, yeah, the guy's playing Pokemon Go and stumbles across the spoon. Huh. <laughs> People still play that? Apparently. I got, well, I he's mean, 52. That's what he said. So yeah, maybe maybe it's just moved up the uh, demographic chain, so to speak. Yeah, and, it's probably been yeah. about. I, I don't even want to guess when that came out, but I would think it'd be seven years ago or more. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's I, been I remember at least working seven years when ago. people were doing that and everywhere was a spot and yeah. the bank at the corner of our downtown mm-hmm. would have fifty people standing there right. at some point. Or like, over at the just, little farmers market park yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there'd be all sorts of people. It was never like a place <laughs> that you could go. It was never well, there's a, one of them in the McDonald's, so go in there and get a snack. You know, it's always oh, right. walk to this weird building you've never been to. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's part of the point is to get you to get up and maybe go around to places you wouldn't normally be Well, they did say that to... people were doing a lot more getting out and doing stuff. Right. That demographic that would play those kind of games was getting out more. Right. You know, Similar to, like, town. I guess what geocaching would do for you as yeah. far as, I mean, like, that's basically what it was. Yeah. Right. Which, I mean, I get it. Virtual geocaching, right. I guess. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know, uh, like, what went down. I'm not sure they've really, at least at the stories I'm looking at, like, who stole it or anything. They just found it. They don't know who, they caught the person. Yeah, it's like it's not like it was caught on camera or anything from what I've seen. So then there's a picture of the spoon laying in the grass. I guess it depends on who you're around. Because if people knew that that was stolen, right? how are you going to, like, you can just have that around your house. Yeah, I mean, People, it's a, somebody might what, narc you out. What did they say? I think it's 15 feet long. So, right. yeah, that's, I mean, that's bigger than the room that we're in. <laughs> it's like you had to either just walk up and carry it off or have a truck or something. <laughs> and then you I would you know, love to just see the one guy. It was that kid with the size of 23 <laughs> shoes. Right. Just came over and grabbed it. Where well, was you this? sober up in the morning and get, go downstairs or whatever. Yeah. And in your backyard, you have the giant Dairy Queen spoon. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i mean it's different like you know we've had around here we had that bob's big boy that was stolen and was gone for years yeah, repeatedly stolen too yeah, i think one of them yeah. ended up being stolen for years before mm-hmm. it was found but there's one time i went to a house party in one of the complexes and uh i i didn't know we just wander around and find house parties right and we go in there and there's a part of one of the uprights from the goalpost at the stadium it would have been ripped down like after a big win in the football game. And like one of the yellow uprights was in this townhouse where there was a party. And it was like part of it was the edge of the bar. <laughs> and like they had the picture of them holding, like carrying that goalpost behind the bar. Wow. And I was like, wow, those guys, they don't give a shit if anybody knows about this one. Right. What are they going to do? But if you came over here and there was a 15 foot spoon, you'd be like, Wait a second. I think I saw some story about that. <laughs> right. Although I'd have to say if if I knew anyone that would be able to have a 15-foot spoon in their house, you'd, you'd think you'd that probably maybe be, they would maybe legitimately you would. have got it. Oh, that I would? <laughs> May, yes. Oh, yeah. Because I probably anybody, would have helped you carry it into the house in yeah, some form or if another. If anybody so. knows anything about giant <laughs> right. advertising things or like even that, a big let boy. us know. Like having a Bob's Big Boy oh, would I'd be love uh, to have pretty that. awesome, actually. Yeah. Like the old cowboy RV yeah. sign. He's probably worth quite a bit of money. Bring me, I'll buy whatever you got like that. Yeah. I want it. I want it to be in the yeah, yard. Especially those old RV signs. I want imagine. it to be in the yard and then have to have a town council meeting to make it to where everybody else can't have that stuff, but I can. Because <laughs> I want to be the, the grandfathered in. <laughs> the, like well, that. we can't say anything about this giant sign because it's on a post and it's lit up or whatever. <laughs> I would totally do that. So if you know anybody... <laughs> Please send them my oh, way. Oh Lord, that's great. Hilarious. So yeah, big giant spoon got stulped up, and then I uh, got another world record. So isn't that weird? Okay, like it's uh up in Madawaska, Maine. Oh, so I hope our our Maina friend is. Uh, that's not. I'm not even gonna try it's for a Maine accent. He's a Mainer. Yeah, I was gonna try a Maine accent, and then I gave up like <laughs> mid 
You just say from butt fuck like, man. He's from butt fuck man. Yeah, <laughs> so, right yeah. outside of butt fuck. <laughs> so yeah, Madawaska, Maine. Um, I'm just gonna read from this uh, story on, from the AP. Volunteers cut a big old circle in a frozen lake and set it in motion, claiming a world record in a category that few people know exists: the biggest ice carousel. Huh. Yeah, so with a diameter of 1,776 feet, or 541 meters, for those keeping track of meters, the giant piece of ice estimated at 146,000 tons moves slowly like a lazy Susan to hoots, hollers, and high fives. (laughs) Northern Maine ice busters had to cut through ice nearly 30 inches thick on a path painstakingly measured by survey crews to create a perfect circle measuring nearly six football fields across. Jeez. Yeah, it's a, lab- a laborious but fun way to provide entertainment during the long, cold winter, and it has turned into something God. of a rivalry in places like Finland, Minnesota, and Maine. There's <laughs> even a World Ice Carousel Association. So on Saturday, it took a Herculean effort to get the giant disc moving with 10 outboard boat engines, farm equipment driving oversized propellers, and a couple of wheeled vehicles. <laughs> and then it starts spinning like a carousel? Yeah, and then they get it spinning. Yep. Let's see. Yeah, and that was... Yeah, there's a bunch of pictures of it, but the uh, the picture of it, and I think you'd have to be there to for it to you know to for the picture to do it justice. You just kind of have to be there to right. see this thing because you look at the picture and you can kind of imagine the size of it. What was the what was the width of it? Oh, it was it, six some, football fields. Essentially, what was the is, fl- feet? One thousand seven hundred seventy-six or seventeen seventy-six. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Right. But Madawaska, Maine. It's a uh, in the Guinness. World records for, for giant, now, yeah, till yeah. the fins because take over. The, the story goes on to talk about how it's such a big competition these days in some of the colder climates. To but the are they cutting this out by hand or are they cutting? Oh, no, it with I machines, mean, uh, it said uh, chainsaws. Uh, what did stuff? I read here? Uh, so you missed that part, huh? Well, I mean, I, I was listening <laughs> to you, but I was just kind of Let's picturing see. the. Uh, ten outboard boat engines, farm equipment, driving oversized propellers, and a couple of wheeled vehicles to get it moving. Oh yeah, yeah to cut it. That's what yeah, I was saying. That I was to I get it to that. spin like a carousel. Yeah, right? northern I- northern Maine ice busters had to cut through ice nearly thirty inches thick on a path. It doesn't say how they're they probably did using it. chainsaws, yeah, something augers, maybe thirty inches, almost three feet thick. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, I ain't no global warming. You just <laughs> proved it. <laughs> so yes, yeah, I guess the challenging part is uh, finding a lake big enough to make them bigger and bigger. You know, that is safe for you to be doing that on. Right. So yeah. it's like the lake can only be so large. And, and the bigger it is, the thicker the ice would have to be too. Right. I mean, yeah, exactly. want to so, be on two inches thick yeah, of ice. Like the lake apparently they used here, which I can't find where it tells me what lake it was, but it's a, you know, they couldn't have made it any bigger given the places that they were able to do it. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, so it yeah. just happened to be so American that it was 1,776 <laughs> right. feet. Isn't that something? Huh. Yeah. Amazing. So, yeah. Wow. It's, uh, we are really progressing as a full society to peak. <laughs> right. Peak performance. Kind of interesting. We had some world record breaking stories going on there, though. We keep up this yeah. synchronicity of ideas. I don't know if this is necessarily a world record, but I did see this Pennsylvania man hits his third lottery win. And he plays the Maryland lottery, so he must be, you know, near the border. It's some kind of record anyway. <laughs> he uh he just won fifty thousand dollars for a scratch off and he's previously collected jackpots worth a hundred thousand and a million. He plays wow. frequently in the lottery in Maryland and uh 
He lives close to Maryland state line. Says he recently crossed the border to buy a $50,000 cash scratch-off ticket from the Sheet store on Main Street in Manchester. And the player dubbed himself, first of all, you don't get to make up your own nicknames. <laughs> no matter had, how many lotteries you win. <laughs> yeah, he dubbed himself Mr. Three Times. Oh, wow. Mr. Three Times. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> he lives in a state where they don't require you to reveal your At name. At least go with triple threat or something, you know? <laughs> three like, P. Yeah, yeah, three P. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's won a million, a hundred thousand, and fifty thousand. So he's one million one hundred fifty thousand dollars from other lottery scratch-off tickets. Scratch-off tickets. I didn't even know that they really won with scratchers. Gosh, I don't even know that I've won twenty dollars I won fifty dollars once, and that yeah. was probably when I was twenty years old, so six months ago. <laughs> right. Of course, you Probably hardly ever play the lottery. I mean, and, dude, sometimes I get into a... Like a fit. Yeah, and you buy a $2 a, ticket every time you go to the store or yeah. something. But, I mean, it's never much more Same than that. Same here. But, yeah, I get out of it I'm pretty, pretty quick because I never I'm, win. Yeah. If I go to a casino or something, then I stay hard and heavy with the number I go in to spend. <laughs> right, yeah. Now, if I win $10,000, that still can be used. I just can't go more than the money that I started right. with. More than start what, with yeah. 100 Once I get that 100 out... I'm out. Yeah. But if I win 10,000, that's then not you've money. you've got 10,000. I, mean, I can play with 10, if I want. You yeah. Know? I've never done that. I think if I got up to 10 grand, I'd probably, you know, at this point in my life anyway, I'm going to keep that 10 grand and right? move on. But, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I'll be oh, happy yeah. with 10 grand. If you go grand, in with 100 yeah. and you come out with 10 grand, you leave. <laughs> right. You're not going to. Yeah. The, the house will win. Yeah, they'll get their money back. Um, And <laughs> another one, too, we're, since we're on that, I guess, uh, a Louisiana woman recaptured the Guinness World Record. Uh, she's 47 years old of Reserve, Louisiana. Her name's Avon Dugas. And she just... Dugas? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, she just won the Guinness World Record for largest Afro hairstyle. Uh, 9.84 inches tall, 10.4 inches wide, and 5.4 feet in circumference. Very big oh, Afro. wow. Yes. She previously held the world record on a living person, female, in 2010, when her hair had a circumference of four feet, four inches. Huh. And then in 2020, a New York woman named Simone Williams got hers measured at four feet, 10 inches. Wow. Yeah, <coughs> so she me. says she's been growing her hair out for 24 years. 24 years. And she doesn't use any products or anything. She just huh. lets it go. When you were saying she's got the record for... <laughs> hair on a living person is there a record for hair on a dead person it doesn't specify but <laughs> i mean if you had that size afro and then you died it would get bigger right because yeah, your, mean, your body shrinks exactly that's what i was your thinking, hair doesn't so. grow when you die so the fact that they specified makes me wonder yeah maybe maybe yeah. It was, that might have been the whole category because it did say female yeah or a person I, alive today perhaps yeah. So maybe there have been larger ones, yeah, but the I mean, person look, look has passed Dr. on. Yeah, I Dr. J played against a bunch right. of Afros, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, so maybe there was like Maybe that's that, what they mean by living person, not, maybe. Brave, yeah, not just being alive. And but, this looks, it looks alive. like the <laughs> wig, the Afro wig that you can buy at the costume store. Right. That's what her, I mean, that's how big her hair is. Well, I guess I got to look at um, Cape Cobra over here. And Her name, did you want to just look up her name? Yeah. Avon, A-E-V-I-N. Dugas, D-U-G-A-S. Yeah, she's the first Forty-seven. One. Yeah, I, mean, I can't imagine. Oh, wow. that, yeah. That's gigantic. It's it killer. It's like Erica Badu, but bigger. Right. Yeah. So, did, uh, good for her. Another it, world record. Looks pretty amazing, too, actually. That one you can control a little bit than like mm -hmm. more than your 
feet size. <laughs> right. And there's obviously competition because somebody else won. That girl with her big feet, she went uncontested. Yeah. Right. So I think hers has an asterisk. Hers is like the Barry Bonds of well, and world it's records. Like, do you it's deserve accolades for having big feet? Like I'm not sure. Like you, like we were saying, you don't really have control over that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you just never cut your hair, it <laughs> right. will more than likely get longer. Yeah. Even so, mine. Yeah. Maybe even yours. Yeah. Maybe even mine. So yeah, we're so, yeah. caught up on some world records caught up for the on week. World records <clears throat> and. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm going to catch up with your name that you're entering. I'm going to tell you tell you a name. And it's uh this week Michael Rockefeller. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, who uh sounds poor. He he was very he poor. He was very poor. One yeah. of the poorest guys ever. Definitely born into one of the poorest families known ever <laughs> in America historically, which is not true at all. In fact, his grandfather John D Rockefeller oh. is still the richest American ever to have lived. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, alive or dead, they, you know. Wow. What was American? Uh, yeah. I don't have it up in front of me, but they combined Elon Musk with like two other people, and he was still richer than them. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's right. with uh, conversion from back then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that huh. insane? Pocket change for him right. is like stacks. Pocket change for him, indeed. So of course, <clears throat> Michael Rockefeller was his grandson. Norman Rockefeller was. Uh, John D. Rockefeller's son, who was uh, the governor of New York at really? the time of Michael Rockefeller. Norman Rockwell. Norman Rock. Did I say Rockwell? You said Norman Rockwell. Uh, I meant Rockefeller. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's yeah, not yeah. as interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, wait, Norman Rockwell? And it's not it Norman. I keep saying Norman. It's Nelson. Nelson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Completely different guy. Well, it's hilarious. Earlier, you were <clears throat> trying to talk to me about something before we were recording, and I was trying to look up Norman Rockefeller and I'm like why the heck like I mean dude was governor of New York at one point in time like when you google it it should come up and then Nelson I'm, Rockefeller yeah, it was Nelson Rockefeller okay. I keep wanting to All call right. him Norman I guess right. because of Norman Rockefeller but we're talking about Michael but we're talking about Michael okay yeah so in uh, 1961 Michael Rockefeller um <clears throat> ends up going overseas to uh to Indonesia let's see how the heck? See, I told you I wasn't quite ready for oh, this we, one. We're so, waiting uh, to hear your pronunciation <laughs> of international name. <laughs> right. Let me let me just get to my notes here. So let me let me start a little before that. Actually, so Norman Rockefeller is in college in Nelson. Uh, in, <laughs> Michael Michael Rockefeller Michael, is okay. in college in the late fifties, and um, he's really interested in art, and actually, uh, you know, had wanted to become an architect, but his dad basically forbid it saying you know no uh, Rockefeller is going to do anything besides like management leadership business like finance okay. you know and so uh, money making stuff money making stuff exactly so um in college he uh, he ended up studying let's see I'm sorry <clears throat> when he graduated from Harvard in 1960 he wanted to do something more exciting than sitting around in boardrooms and conduct conduct meetings i'm sorry that my notes don't include what he actually ended up studying but uh what he finds is uh his dad makes him the um <clears throat> the curator of uh of a primitive art museum primitive art being art that they've gone and basically stolen from <laughs> you know right like, tribes in other places he and studied in british museums 
studied in British museums. Yeah, that's what they do. It's just British oh. museums just steal everybody else's oh, stuff. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially back in the day. Like, I mean, apparently... Um, we don't know how we got this pyramid, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> apparently Nelson Rockefeller was big on collecting art. You know, he was a huge art collector. And so that's how, uh, as a child, Michael Rockefeller really became interested in it. And that was, you know, that was his passion basically, and he wanted to make art, collect art, become an <laughs> Unlimited budget, too. So. Right, yeah, exactly. And his dad had galleries, of course, that he ran and owned right. and, and all of that. So um, <clears throat> he, uh, let's see, I'm just going to, let me get Well, they to were definitely into here. the arts because, I mean, the 30 Rock is Rockefeller Center. Oh, right. Yeah, that's all there. I'd say yeah. that a lot of theaters and stuff were all built by the, the Vanderbilts and the Rockefellers and all those rich people used right. to do. Carnegie Hall and stuff. Those exactly. are rich people that actually used mm-hmm. to do something for the world with their yeah. money instead of cram it all up their anus. <laughs> right. Buy yachts. Buy Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> or 18 yachts, even. Yeah. But uh, I got it right here in my notes. He ended up studying economics and history. Okay. <clears throat> and so um, once he graduated, <clears throat> excuse me, he still wanted to do something uh, adventurous, romantic adventurous. Like he really just had this passion to go out into the world and and, you know, not make a difference so much as, like, find something different, some place where people didn't know that he was a Rockefeller. And, right. Like, what that meant. Oh, yeah. Like, he definitely. really wasn't interested in in the business of being in the family. Um, right. And this was when? Like, the 60s? Yeah, this would have been uh, 1961 is when, uh, you know, he goes off to uh, to New Guinea. Okay. And um, in New Guinea, he uh, he's working with a documentary crew from Harvard University. He meets these guys who are going to go uh, document this uh, very, quote-unquote, primitive tribe that basically was one of the last, they felt, last left in the world that hadn't really been touched by Western culture. Uncontacted. Yeah, and so, mm. of course, they're going to go contact them. But really, right. the point of the documentary was to try to record as much of their way of living before it was completely ruined by uh, Guys with cam- camera crews right. and stuff? Well, more so, the uh, Dutch government was uh, colonizing New Guinea at that point in time. So it was Dutch New right. Guinea. And so they were trying to, they knew that eventually they were going to take their land or at least westernize these people and things just wouldn't, you know, their culture would start to fall apart. Right, okay, I got you. Yeah, and so they were going to document it. But, yes, it is funny that you do got to go and do it with cameras that these people have never seen before. (laughs) Right, with white people. Right. (laughs) Rich white guys. And hope that it doesn't end like it does in Green Inferno. Have you seen the Green Inferno, Um, the Eli Roth movie? Horror movie mm. where those. Oh, <clears throat> yes, I yeah. have, yeah. 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 It could be worse. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Well, this story, Michael Rockefeller does end up go- going missing. So that's the oh. part of the story we're okay. getting to. Yeah, so he goes to New Guinea. He's working with this crew. He's the sound guy on this documentary crew. And they've been working there for about six months. They go uh, in January of 1961. And sometime around June, they get a little break from all the work they've been doing on the film. And he decides to uh, go to these uh, villages on the western coast of New Guinea that he's heard about that have amazing wood carvings. Like, there are these tribes of people that, you know, part of their... Basically, their culture, they worship trees, essentially, okay. for you know a simplistic way of saying it. Right. It's a lot more involved than that. Their culture is built around the trees because, I mean, they essentially live in rainforests, you know. Yeah, and oh, yeah. The trees do so, uh, everything, yeah. But he's going to see they have these amazing wood carvings that are part of their religious rituals and ceremonies. And okay. they have these things called uh, bish poles <clears throat> in their uh, culture. 
it's kind of a it's an endless cycle of uh i guess war and revenge so the war is always getting revenge on the other on the neighboring tribe you're at war with okay and so if say they kill one of your tribe members headhunting them because these are tribes that were into headhunting okay. allegedly <laughs> and so the headhunting was basically getting revenge on the other tribe you're at war with for something bad that had happened to you so if like bad things happen to your uh, group of people then it was believed that it was because of your enemies and you needed to take the revenge out on the enemy so okay. you would go and headhunt the member of that group that you thought was responsible for it so in the meantime you'd have these bish poles that represented all of the uh um revenge for the people in your own group that you were headhunting for oh wow okay. so these represented all of the <laughs> right. people that you still had not um i guess that you were going to get <clears throat> right yeah okay. they believed that the spirit would stay around your your community until you were able to take revenge for them and set them free essentially huh. like again simplistic description right <laughs> like a, but uh we're here for the simplistic description. yeah we're here for the story you can always look yeah. these things up. well right there is quite a bit of information out there actually for you know when, someone with the last name rockefeller and i'd never heard this story and before. it was the, the time was <clears throat> it wasn't like it was in the 1800s right and there was TVs could cover right. this, you know. So. Exactly, yeah, yeah, and and they did once he went missing. Like the news was right. all over the place because, you know, well, the hell, it's Michael Rockefeller, right, right. <laughs> you know, so. Meanwhile, there's like another hundred thousand people in the world that went missing that right. same day. Exactly, <laughs> nobody cared. So he's uh, going to this um, <clears throat> these other villages. He's visiting different ones, like uh, along the coast, and uh, to do this. Because it's a very swampy, watery area. They basically have to do everything by boat. And so to get to this one village, uh, he, he and his guide, it's like a, a Dutch guide that the colonial government had assigned to him. This uh, mm -hmm. Dutch guide, uh, Michael Rockefeller, and two, uh, two of the people who lived there, two locals, essentially got on this boat. And they were going to go to this other island and met this, uh, the mouth of this river, comes out into the ocean, and it capsized the boat they were on. Okay. And so the two locals say, well, we're going to swim to shore, which at that point was about three miles away. They're going to swim wow. to shore to get help. Like the uh, Michael Rockefeller and the Dutch guide, whose name I failed to write down because that's the great research I've done for <laughs> right. this. But uh, <clears throat> they're going to stay with the capsized boat. So they're basically floating on this overturned boat waiting okay. for rescue. Michael Rockefeller gets... Um, impatient and says well i think i can swim to shore right and i'm come, rich i can swim right yeah i don't take no for an answer he still has that in his blood like you know it's been bred into him essentially oh yeah but um he ties or inbred into him or inbred into him right because that, that's a again that's another episode allegedly right? <laughs> allegedly but he gets two empty gas containers like <clears throat> and uh, ties them to himself as like floaties, and he's going to swim to shore himself. Come to find out later on, because the Dutch guy does end up getting rescued by the uh, the Dutch like military that went out okay. searching for them. Right, right. So, so apparently the local guys who never came back did end up getting them help. And so by the time they get there to rescue them, though, Michael Rockefeller has already swam to shore, but they were about 12 to 15 miles away from shore. Oh, when wow. he jumped off to go to shore, and he's never seen again. Huh. And so there are rumors about what has happened to Michael Rockefeller. Okay. <laughs> and um, 
I wrote them down out of order in my <laughs> notes. So that's exciting. But rumor number one, and what is basically still said about him today, even though there's lots of evidence pointing towards another rumor, is that he drowned while swimming to shore. Okay. He was swimming 12 to 15 miles, even though he Pretty had some floaties theory. tied to him. Pretty realistic theory. I agree. Or he got eaten by sharks. Right. They, yeah. You know, something I agree pretty realistic theory <laughs> yeah he's to say that those gas tanks couldn't have gotten water into them and just right. pulled them down and he's exactly just down there tied up to some gas tanks yeah and i'll say it now i agree with you there i haven't even like i have other rumors that i'm going to cover but i'm still right. in my mind i'm like i don't know there is some evidence that points towards maybe something else happened to him but i still feel like perhaps he drowned like that seems very reasonable to me one of the yeah. Yeah. One of the YouTube videos I watched had a guy that they were interviewing, and he really believed that he made it to shore. He's like, the simplest answer is that he made it to shore. Is that the simplest answer? That's what I, I'm like, really? <laughs> the, the simplest answer, this regular guy who's done, like, barely even. Well, and to clarify, it, he was in very good shape, actually. Right. But, yeah, I mean, he grew up not even putting his own right. shoes but on. But apparently he exercised constantly. Like, he was a. 12 miles very, is yeah, a long exactly, swim. Exactly. Like. You're right. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you half a day to walk the twelve walk twelve miles. Yeah, and I mean yeah. I, you got plenty of time to do it. But and this you're is gonna ocean feel, You're going to feel too, that. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like it's yeah, it's craziness. So anyway, <laughs> that's one of the rumors. Um, they did <clears throat> end up finding one of the empty gas cans on okay. the shore of okay. this island, and so I mean it could have fallen off of him had he drowned or I he mean, took it off. Or he took it off when he got to land. And so that's kind of the second Or is bulking him up when he's swimming, he took it off. What's that? Like, or he took it off while he was swimming with it because it was getting in his way to be, it was tiring True. him out more. Or something. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, I mean, right. 12 miles, man. That's a. <laughs> 12 miles. It was never proven that that was the gas can that he, one of the gas cans that he used. Yeah, I mean, unless it was completely labeled. Right. The assumption. I was know mine was red like, and said gas yeah, on because it. Because the guy, uh, like the. Dutch guide who did survive said, yeah, that was like the gas cans we had on our boat. It's like, right. well, yeah, I mean, around here, that's probably the only damn gas cans you can get. <laughs> right. So, yeah. <laughs> not like they were Walmarts at this, yeah, we're in this in tribe. Yeah, middle of effing nowhere, New Guinea. And it's 1961. <laughs> right. So, like, right. The point of them being there is that there is nothing there. Right. I mean, you know, nothing western. Now anyway. there's a resort yeah, in that same I'm place. sure. But, um... So that is the other rumor is that, well, he goes to this island, he manages to get to one of the villages of these people that, you know, he has met them before and he was going back to see them again to get some artwork. Right. That when he got there that they had uh, killed him as a revenge on the uh, Dutch government for raiding one of their uh, villages in the past uh, couple of years. Like they were definitely at war with the Dutch government because, you know, they were moving in on their territory. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I, yeah, most people so would, yeah. the idea was, this idea is that, well, to exact revenge, and, you know, that's where the Bishpoles come in, they're going to take Michael Rockefeller, and part of their uh, revenge killings do involve some uh, cannibalism. It's not that they headhunt people and kill them to eat them, but it has to be involved in the ceremony. It's not something necessarily that they enjoy doing, but it's part part of what yeah, they once do. You, once you taste human, <laughs> That's what I they think say. that you've got to keep on getting it. Did you ever see the movie Ravenous? Oh, yeah. 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 The, the creepy the, music. Bing. 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 Yeah. Creepy one. Check out that movie, Ravenous. That was our uh, yeah. 
we actually just got a copyright infringement because it was so good of a replica, right, replica yeah. of the song. I'm sure you all can't tell the difference. <coughs> so anyway, it's uh, believed that they, you know, killed him and as part of their ritual, you know, definitely would have eaten his skin and basically used all of his body parts for sure. for things. And, you know, and, you can't tell me that people who live out in that type of thing don't know a way to get rid of a body. <laughs> right. Nobody's coming out there. There's not detective agencies coming out there and right. investigating that kind of stuff. Exactly. You know? Although, because it was Michael Rockefeller, yes. There was a detective there were, agency. <laughs> there were all sorts of detective agencies, sure. so to speak, out there searching for him. And very quickly, they came to the conclusion that he drowned. And part of the theories of that conclusion are that, you know, the Dutch government quickly wanted to uh, say that he drowned and that he didn't get a basically eaten by this tribe of people because they were trying to present New Guinea as this like new up and coming, like the future, you know, we're going to turn this place into like a nice Western eyes, like you said, resorts, like a beautiful place to be. Like everybody wants to be in New Guinea. Uh, right. And so it, in order to sell this to investors or whoever they're trying to sell it to their government back home, like they have to make it look like it's friendly and people do want to be there. So they want to <laughs> right. cover up the Don't fact worry that, about the new guys right. down the road. That they will eat you, but you should yeah. stay up here. And then on the other end in America, like the Rockefellers want to keep it covered up because uh, Nelson Rockefeller is embarrassed that this has happened to his son. I mean, he's very proud of him for his passion, but at the same time, it's kind of, I don't know, I guess when you're that wealthy, it's an embarrassment to you as well that this has happened. And, you know, if your right. son got eaten by a tribe, it's more embarrassing than if he drowned trying to swim to, to safety. <laughs> right. He's more yeah. of a hero, I guess, if he drowned trying to, like, save his friend on the boat. Right, yeah, I mean, I get you. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but today, um, there's lots of evidence leaning towards the fact that maybe he did actually get to this tribe and either lived with them and they ended up killing him or he just died peacefully or they did eat him. Maybe they didn't like white meat, so they didn't eat him. <laughs> right. Well, it's funny you say white meat because in 1968. <laughs> Is that the nickname he gave himself? <laughs> yeah. Exactly like the lottery winning yeah. guy. It's <laughs> the three times. <laughs> white meat. <laughs> yeah, I might go from old buddy bacon to white meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can't do that to yourself. In 1968, there's this uh, documentary crew again there, and they're making this video about one of the uh, ceremonies that the Asmat people, I haven't even named these people, but it's the Asmat people, A S M A T. Okay. Um, they're just filming these uh, one of these ceremonies that involve the boats that they use, these catamaran boats. And um, on one of the videos, like there's thousands and thousands of people going by on these boats like and you can see them all standing up it's like a standing boat it, if you zoom in and slow down on one of them there is definitely a naked white dude on one of the boats oh. with all of the others and like it, it's so grainy and fuzzy that if you zoom in too much you just you can't really tell if the guy's actually white well he might be albino or something could be albino yeah. but it's uh you huh. know some they people say, say they say it's him and he's just right. living peacefully because with it's definitely would have been one of the tribe that people. kills everybody <laughs> right although apparently they don't kill everybody it's just part of their they you know if they decide that this is the person that they can get yeah, revenge I mean, and, and, for and, and, one and, of their some own, of that is like, a ceremonial thing right, right? exactly like a 
he was getting along with them very well up until that point. He was having the time of his life, like with these people, and you know, making the documentary and visiting them, stealing learning, their art, learning to dance, right? Not being put in the corner. So a lot of people believe that he was so enamored with it that he actually just joined them and they let him because they did get along with him very well. Like they Might were be. friendly with him, and that perhaps he did just live out. I'm gonna go days. with rumor one so far. Me too. Still sticking with rumor one, but um. You know, it is also nice to think that he, the way that he escaped, like, his fame and all the crap that he really didn't want to be a part of was completely something else. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really believe that either, but... I mean, it'd be cool if he got to go and live peacefully with the tribe or whatever and right. live up to be an old man, but... Probably. 12 not. mile swim, dude. I keep going back to that 12 to 15 Even mile swim. Even if you swim. take... Take that in half. Six mile swim mm-hmm. is a long swim. No matter how good a shape you're in, uh, Michael Phelps they would He's have trouble with that swim. Yeah, in the ocean after right. six miles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure he could probably pull it off, but yeah, it's Michael. There are Phelps. people that I mean, like swam across, you know, the right English Channel. These are stuff, people prepared for it, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's just not some guy that's been <laughs> eating right. Eating like, he's also been like floating on the, this boat for several hours too. You know, right. like yeah. Cooked so, in the sun. Right. Yeah. But that's wow. uh, the very shortened version of the disappearance of Michael Rockefeller. Rockefeller. But if you're interested, uh, YouTube actually does have quite a few interesting documentaries, some of them older. One of okay. them, uh, Leonard Nimoy, actually uh, narrated from like the early 70s. But uh, yeah, pretty interesting story. Huh. Mm. All right. Well, Michael Rockefeller. Michael Rockefeller. And his he's not related to Norman Rockwell. <laughs> no. Yeah, just all. forget as I far even as we said know. Norman at all. Like, Norman had nothing to do with this. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. We, we prepare yeah. as much as we can. And no Normans were harmed in the studying. One, the maybe one of those tribes guys, tribes <laughs> well, was named Norman. Perhaps. I got nothing to do with that. Downfall. I don't think they were killing a whole lot of white people down there because, well, white people weren't really weren't going there. there. I mean, I mean, the the Dutch were there, but a lot of them they were, they weren't bothering a lot of the the groups of people. It was just you know well, the ones closest to whatever the hell they were trying to do. <laughs> right? So, yeah, yeah, you're on our emeralds. Right. Then get out. So between villages, you know, there usually there was some sort of conflict going on between some of the villages. I mean, that was just kind of the way of life, and your enemies were the ones outside. Uh, right. Huh. That's cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Well, you said you were watching documentaries, and that is actually how I got to mine for the <laughs> yeah. week. Was I watched a documentary one day? I'll tell you what it was later. But it was it, about Michael Rockefeller. It, it was weirdly <laughs> enough. We said that eventually we might end up doing the same one. So we'll see. That would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. Uh, so the the the, pre, the the year that this all really gets going is 2005, and Kansas, the state of Kansas was debating on real important issues on whether or not to uh, teach creationism in public schools. I don't, you, you probably remember that it was on the yeah, news and there were all these definitely. people there. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and this, like I said, 2005, Bobby Henderson was a 24 year old Oregon state physics graduate. And he decided to write an open letter to the Kansas board of education. And in that letter, he demanded that the flying spaghetti monster and flying spaghetti monsterism <laughs> be taught alongside of evolution and Indeed. intelligent creationism. Yeah. Therefore, he's the considered the prophet of Pastafarianism. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about is Pastafarianism. <laughs> Bobby Henderson was his All name. All right. Yeah, I've never much looked into this one, but uh okay, so the letter that he wrote was uh 
it was ignored basically by the they just thought it was ridiculous and he decided that the kansas board rejected it and went on with their important discussions (laughs) Um, well said Uh, so when that was ignored, he posted online and it began going viral and this was 2005. So, I mean, that was a completely different thing then, you know, you had to actually find these things to make them go viral. It didn't just show (laughs) up on something because you looked at something else. I mean, it was certainly before smartphones. I mean, the phones were getting smarter at the time, but they were not yet. Yeah, but you were still getting like JPEGs as the pictures on websites and stuff. It was more annoying. Maybe a little bit beyond that. Yeah, annoying to get on the internet more You're not watching HD YouTube videos on on the shitter. But anyways. um, Streaming movies is still a thing that was kind of hard to get your mind around. Right. (laughs) So uh, at that point, when it became viral, it also became a symbol of opposition to teaching intelligent design in public schools. In the letter, he said, uh, quote, I think we can all look forward to the time when these three theories are given equal time in our science classrooms across the country and eventually the world. One third time for intelligent design, one third time for flying spaghetti monsterism, and one third time for logical conjecture based on overwhelming observable evidence. End quote. According to Bobby, since the intelligent design movement uses ambiguous references to a designer, any conceivable entity may fulfill that role, including a flying spaghetti monster. (laughs) Uh, He explains, I don't have a problem with religion. What I have is a problem with religion posing as science. If there is a God and he's intelligent, then I would guess he has a sense of humor. So the next year, 2006, Bobby releases the book called The Gospel of the Flying Spaghetti Monster which is where you find the tenets of Pastafarianism. <laughs> and also a book called The Loose Cannon, The Holy Book of the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, which is where the creation myth is outlined in that book. All right. Now, these books, one of the books has received, like, awards for satirical writing and stuff. Right. right? Um, because of its popularity and exposure, the flying... Spaghetti Monster is often used as a more modern version of what's called Russell's Teapot. I haven't heard of that. Russell's Teapot is an argument that the philosophic burden of proof lies upon those who make unfalsifiable claims, not on those who reject them. Yeah. So the teapot theory is that there's um, there's there's a teapot that's in orbit between Earth and Mars, and... you you can't prove that it's not there, but you can't prove that it is there. Right, right, So it's, the burden of proof lies on... The person proving that it's there. Yes. Yeah. Um, So, uh, over the years, Pastafarians have engaged in disputes with creationists, including in Polk County, Florida, where they played a role in dissuading the local school board from adopting new rules on teaching evolution. So, it became, it it started out as kind of a, like a satire. Right trying to prove a point and then people have adopted this as a religion oh wow so people most of them are would be considered atheists right and then they use this as their you know the, the you'll see as the goal for some of this is to prove a point right yeah yeah that's certainly what it sounds like right kind of um, like the uh, satanic uh the satanic the, the, statues and stuff yeah the house yeah. Of, well actually because there have been uh pastafarian statues put okay. in places all right um, it, it, Pasifarianism has received praise from the scientific community and criticism from proponents of intelligent design. Obviously, it's probably sure. pretty 
skewed one way to the other, right? right. Like, there's not many people that are proponents of intelligent design that are all on board with Pastafarianism. Exactly. Yeah, which was kind of the point initially <laughs> anyway. Right. Yeah. So FSM, which is short for Flying Spaghetti Monster, if oh, I okay. use it again. Gotcha. Yeah, I was having trouble. Actually. FSM has become a symbol for the case against intelligent design in schools, and Henderson continues to get support from all over, and he even gets, like, death threats. I mean, he's... Oh, wow. Yeah, of course he does. Obviously. Yeah, 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 everybody. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's right. very... You know, it's understandable why the controversy exists. Like, I mean, yeah. In people's minds, yes. Yeah, yeah. As far as the scientific community goes, no. Sure. Right. Uh, let's see. In 2005, the Kansas State Board of Education, so this was the, towards the end of that year. The, the beginnings was the beginning of the year. At the end, they made the vote and uh, voted to allow criticisms of evolution, including language about intelligent design, as part of testing standards. So it was allowing you to teach intelligent design that like there's, you know, missing links and there's, there's gotta be a reason for that kind of stuff. Right? Right, they allowed right. it on February 13th, 2007, that same board voted six to four to reject the amended science standards enacted in 2005. So they, huh. in 2007, they said, no, we're not doing that. We're going back on it. And this was the fifth time in eight years that that board had rewritten the standards on evolution. Wow. They so, just couldn't get it right. Cause they just, they, they, they're not using sense. Right. You can teach that to your kids all you want. Yeah. You can't teach that to everybody's kids. Just leave it as what it is. Yeah. That's There's a place and a time for all that. And science class is not it. You're right. Yeah. Right. So. Right. Exactly. Um, so the b- beliefs of Pastafarianism, uh, Henderson has stated that the only dogma allowed in the church of flying spaghetti monster is the rejection of dogma. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. uh, let's see. Henderson proposed many Pastafarian tenets in reaction to common arguments by proponents of intelligent design. Okay. So as far as a creation myth, the central creation myth is that an invisible and undetectable flying spaghetti monster created the universe, quote, after drinking heavily. Uh, indeed. According to these beliefs, uh, the monster's intoxication was a cause for a flawed earth. Furthermore, according <laughs> to Pastafarianism, all evidence for, evolu- for evolution was planted by the flying spaghetti monster in an effort to test the faith of Pastafarians. <laughs> That's <clears throat> That's hilarious. Um, uh, when scientific measurements such as radiocarbon dating, dating are taken, the FSM is there is quote they are changing the results with his noodly appendage end quote. <laughs> okay, all right. Noodly appendage. <laughs> that's what. That's a direct quote. <laughs> noodly. Noodly appendage. Well, wait till you hear some of this other stuff. It's great. Uh, as far as the afterlife goes, the belief in the afterlife, the Pastafarian conception of heaven includes a beer volcano and a stripper. <laughs> Sometimes that stripper is a prostitute or a paint stripper, uh, a factory. So it's a stripper factory or a prostitute factory. It's all with a beer volcano. A right? beer volcano with a factory of some sort of prostitute or stripper. <laughs> right. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Pastafarian hell, however, is pretty similar because except the only thing that is different is the beer is stale and the strippers have STDs. So, <laughs> all right. Um, absolute divine beings and Pastafarianism are considered pirates are considered to be absolute divine beings. Right. And the original Pastafarians. 
they they claim that pirates being labeled as thieves and outcasts is misinformation by spread by Christian theologians in the Middle Ages, and they were actually peace loving explorers and spreaders of goodwill who gave candy to children. <laughs> uh, pirates. Oh wait, uh, Pastafarians believe that ghost pirates are responsible for all the missing ships and planes in the Bermuda Triangle. They also celebrate Talk Like a Pirate Day, which is September nineteenth every year. <laughs> I did yeah. not know that. Yep. Do you know the uh, uh, pirate's favorite uh, letter of the alphabet? R. You think it'd be R, but it'd be the C. <laughs> I did know that joke, but yeah. I can never remember it. <laughs> I, 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 that, that's the good accent. I can do a pirate accent. <laughs> right? It can be the C. <laughs> it doesn't count as other languages, though. Well, I'm speaking like a pirate. <laughs> pirate um, language. Uh, introduction of the pirates was part of the original letter that, that Bobby wrote in an effort to illustrate that correlation does not imply causation. Uh, he argued in that same letter that global warming, earthquakes, and other natural disasters are a d- direct effect of the shrieking number of pirates since the 1800s. <laughs> Included with the letter was a purposely misleading graph that shows that as the number of pirates decreased, the global temperatures increased. <laughs> and then he used Somalia as an example that they have the highest number of pirates and the lowest carbon emissions of any country. So there, there's <laughs> proof of that, right? <laughs> That's hilarious. <clears throat> Their holidays, every Friday is celebrated as a holy day. So every 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 Friday is a holiday in Pastafarianism. <laughs> all right. Uh, all prayers are ended saying ramen or ramen. <laughs> um, Pastover requires eating large amounts of pasta, and during R- Ramadan, only ramen noodles <laughs> are eaten. Uh, around the Christmas holiday and Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, that whole time of year, uh, Pastafarians celebrate what's called holiday. Which really doesn't have a day, but it's the season itself. And you can celebrate any time in any way you want. Hey, I like that. Yes. Pretty open to doing yeah. what you want to do. Which That's is kind of you know, how the holidays are these days anyway, in yeah. my opinion. But yeah, yeah, it's nice. Um, the books that have been written, I said, was The Gospel of Flying Spaghetti Monster. And the Bobby you planned to use the proceeds of that book to build a pirate ship, pirate ship to help spread Pastafarianism. Uh, in 2006, um, let's see, sorry, you the gospel, be. the gospel, which is, is urges readers to try Pastafarianism for 30 days saying, quote, if you don't like us, your old re- religion will most likely take you back End quote, <laughs> uh, the second book, the loose cannon, the holy book of the flying church of the flying spaghetti monster, essentially analogs to the Bible. Uh, it was written by St. John, the blasphemist. <laughs> And, um, tells you what you're getting into. Yeah. It, it has, it has, you know, some rules, uh, thou shalt have no other monsters before me afterwards is okay. Just use protection. <laughs> the only monster who deserves capitalization is me. Other monsters are fake mon- or false monsters undeserving, undeserving of capitalization. And that's from the book of suggestions. Chapter one, verse one. Um, in Slackers 1, 51 through 52, uh, since you have done a half-assed job, you will receive half an ass. The great pirate Solomon grabbed his ceremonial centaur and struck his remaining donkey, cleaving it in two. Um, the next book out was uh, the New Testament of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, Dinner 2.0, the new and improved recipe. Um, Beautiful. 
it says in that in that book it says we need never doubt our divine carbohydrate for even our dna is shaped like a noodle so we know that pasta is holy and that's from book one called the holy book of lasagna <laughs> so there's um they have pastafarians believe in uh things called it's better if you do's and it's better if you don'ts essentially okay. the ten commandments yeah uh, it's better if you do's include, it's better if you find a thing you're good at, uh, if you f- live in harmony with the world, make art, lead an untethered life and work together. Maybe your boy, Michael Rockefeller should have been a pastafarian. Yeah. It sounds, sounds like, like he might've been actually. Yeah. He might have been yeah. Yeah. make art, live harmony with the world. Yeah. Yep. Um, the, the, it's better if you don't, uh, if you don't put people in cages, don't work too much. Don't value possessions, hurt others, and don't censor things. And that's mm. f- from book four of the Holy Book of Tortellini. <laughs> um, so you get a book for each form of pasta, I guess. Well, they got the you got the New Testament and the Old Testament of pasta, you know. So okay, the, so yeah, you got quite a quite a lot of shoes to fill, so to speak. Right. I'm not exactly sure how long these books are. I mean, they've been they're right. Yeah, I don't think I've ever books, seen them. So, yeah. Um, so legal status that Pastafarians have, uh, in New Zealand, representatives have been authorized as marriage celebrants as the movement status, satisfies criteria laid down for organizations that primarily pro- promote religious, philosophical, or human t- humanitarian convictions. All right. Yeah. Um, a federal court in the United States, however, in Nebraska, ruled that FSM is a satirical parody religion rather than an actual religion, and as a result... Pastafarians are not entitled to religious accommodation under the Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act. Right. Um, the the uh, ruling, in part, reads, reads, quote, The FSM gospel is plainly a work of satire meant to entertain while making a pointed political statement. To really read it as religious doctrine would be little different from grounding a religious exercise on any other work of fiction, end quote. Yeah. Um, they operate an ordination mill on their website, which enables officiates in jurisdictions where credentials are needed to officiate weddings. Um, they say that separation of church and state precludes the government from arbitrarily labeling one denomination religiously valid, but another an ordination mill. And the first legalized, legally recognized Pastafarian webin, we, wedding sorry, occurred in New <laughs> Zealand on April 16th, 2016. Hey, so your birthday. Yeah. Well, one of your birthdays. You one were born in 2016. Birthdays. Yeah, yeah. I was a much older man then, getting younger. Right. Um, definitely, we're all getting older. Children get older. And that's just what they do. It's not... <laughs> it is what happens. Yeah, that yeah. was the joke. Yeah. <laughs> Landslide brings us down. Um, yeah. I well, said, did you write that? Yeah, I did. Just did in my brain. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> March twenty two March two thousand seven, a kid in high in uh, high school in North Carolina was suspended for wearing pirate regalia, which he said was part of his Pastafarian faith. And he protested protested the suspension, saying it violated First Amendment rights to religious freedom and freedom of expression. Uh, March twenty March two thousand eight, Pastafarians in Crossville, Tennessee, were permitted to place an FSM statue in a free speech zone on the courthouse lawn. Uh, The display gained national interest on blogs and uh, was eventually covered by Rolling Stone. It was later removed from the premises along with all the other long-term statues. So, again, 
They're just making points. <laughs> right. You know, you're going to have this. We're going to have this. I think it would have been pretty cool and probably even good for the town just to allow the statue to stay there and you could keep all the others as well. That's, that's and, what the point is. Right, it's like yeah. You can have your statue if you have all the other ones, but then we've got to start realizing that there's like so many. If you look up the uh, Pastafarian logo, it's like a Jesus fish with like little squiggly arms and like bubble eyes on the top of his, it's like to the side. And then I think in the middle it says FSM. Okay. So it's it's it, the whole thing is a oh I see it is yeah. is a point right yeah I think I have seen that on cars actually yeah uh, in 2011 Austrian pastafarian Nico Alm I got an easy name this time, <laughs> right won the legal right to be shown in his driver's license photo wearing a pasta strainer on his head and that was part of the reason that was part of the story from the uh, documentary that I was watching that what got me to this which was right. called I Pastafari. Oh, okay. Um, it's pretty interesting. It shows you, but I mean, it follows a, a similar story where somebody's trying to wear a colander on their head for their passports and stuff. They're saying it's a religious. Uh, that's the religious, uh, the pictures of that guy set. are popping up as I'm looking up right. the uh, um, logos and whatnot. He's uh, he got the idea after reading that Austrian regulations allow headgear and official photos only when it's worn for religious reasons. And this same defense has been replicated all over the world, mostly in Western nations, with people winning the right to wear colanders and pirate bandanas in passports and driver's license. Right uh, to wear even, colanders. Even in the Czech Republic, it is considered the same as wearing like a turban or a yarmulke or anything. It's, wow. it's considered an equal religious headwear, headgear. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, a town council member from Pomfret, New York... Wore a colander on his head while being, excuse me, by while being sworn into office. So he took his oath of office wearing his colander. Asia uh, Carrera, the porn star, got her driver's license wearing one in Utah. So Asia Carrera, one of the probably is a pastafarian, yeah, and has her driver's license picture with a, a colander on her head. Um, yeah, so it's continues to grow to this day it's used to promote religious freedom and freedom of speech um like i said there's all the books that i've named before would yeah be i guess good it could sources. be a, an anti-censorship symbol as well yeah the church of satan does a lot of that stuff yeah. it's like yeah you can have your 10 commandments up but we want ours and then they're like whoa wait yeah right. see you're not well teaching lessons about censorship and inclusion essentially right (laughs) yeah uh and freedom i guess you know yeah that's exactly what it's all about and uh we're all for that you know we're whatever you want shoot up bud bud light if you want but guess what you already bought it dipshit (laughs) so you already gave him the money yeah Yeah. and he still sells it in his bar by the way he owns (laughs) a bar that they sell for like six dollars a bottle yeah of bud light Right. Um, anyways, the uh, what a dummy. The 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 movie that I watched was called I Pastafari, a Spaghetti Monster Story, and so yeah, that's Bobby Henderson and Pastafarianism. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So actually. I mean, I guess we were sort of in the same ballpark. For anybody super interested out there, there is a Spaghetti Monster kitchen strainer on Amazon. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Is it fitted? Turn it around. It is. It looks it like it would size? fit my bald head pretty oh, good. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. You so can start wearing neat. that. When yeah. You're... Just on if what? You, if you Fridays? want, send us one. Wear it on Fridays. Yeah. Well, Friday's a, a holy day. Yeah, that's the holy day. Which is the day that we record this. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah, good one. I like so, that. So, 
we got a couple good ones in for you. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, I certainly did, so who cares if you guys enjoyed it? Yeah. I mean, we want bam. you to, but, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. You don't pay this me. Is, this is all about padding our own egos. <laughs> right. you Man, know? my ego's so big right now. Chris's ego's never been bigger, so yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you enjoy us, please let your friends know. Let your family know. Yeah. Let your kids know. And we have fact, kids that listen, so you know that we're appropriate no matter what. And if you're just rage listening, please send us some rage. Yeah. If you're rage listening, tell your angry friends to listen to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can follow us on uh, Facebook at Intername Here. You can uh, Instagram at Intername Here Podcast. Yeah. Uh, you can email Intername Here Podcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. And uh, we, we sometimes forget to say this, but. We also totally support you going on to organdonor.gov. Yes. And signing up to be an organ donor. Yes. Yeah, we do forget to say it. It's easy. Send us emails reminding us to say it. And one other thing that we always forget to bring up. Uh Uh-oh. I didn't mean to save it for the very end. It just reminded me. Is the uh, poll. We always have a poll question. Yep. And so for some of you out there, I know are pretty regular listeners, like just take a look at our poll questions and give us an answer. Sometimes they're actually pretty fun to read. Yeah. Yeah, Zach does a pretty good job. I sit here and giggle while he writes them. Well, I mean, that's like half the yeah. gig, right? <laughs> so, so yeah, when we he does when a good we job start making money, us. Chris is only gonna get paid in when he laughs. Yeah, yeah, I get a dollar per giggle or shoot. You know, I might move up to two two dollars. Well, per don't be like that day. news lady that said a dollar a giggle for shizzle my nizzle because she got fired. <laughs> She got fired, but they always overlooked the fact that she had a history of being a fucking asshole. She said something that there was a reporter once on the scene somewhere, and she's like, well, tell your mammy and your grandpappy or something like that to, oh. the, to the black reporter. Right. Like, uh, you have a history of this. And then she went off with the faux shizzle, my nizzle. <laughs> And she got fired. So, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, don't think do about, that. Think about where you, yeah. where you talk. And, and donate you your organs. And dor- donate. Donate them. Donate them. And Shoot. donate them. Yeah. Organdonor.gov. And, yeah, check us out. Uh, we'll have some crackers out in the future for you. And uh, we hope that we'll see you guys next time. And mm-hmm. check you out later. Love you.